This is exactly right. Welcome. To my favorite murder. The mini-sode. It's mini. It's an episode. We've explained it to you so many <laughs> fucking times. You're Why don't you get it? to listen. It's basically. Strange. It's so simple. It's called reading email. Um, We're going to do it to you right now. Are you ready? <laughs> Let's do it. Go first. You want me to go first? Do it. Smitch, mix it up. All right. Fine. Yeah. This says. Freshen it up. Let's do it. This says, hello, everyone. Oh, hello. I'll try to make this as brief as I can. I was listening to your minisode number 186 when you read a story about a New Jersey man named Anton LeBlanc who was hanged after murdering a family. A doctor did experiments on his body and made keepsakes out of his skin. I thought this story sounded really familiar. Remember that one from a couple weeks ago? Yep. Okay. It uh, was horrible. Yes. Yeah. I live in Rollins, Wyoming, a small town on Interstate 80 in the middle of the high desert. George Parrott was known as Big Nose George was a uh, also known as Big Nose George was a cattle rustler and a highwayman living in Wyoming. In 1878, he and his gang were planning to rob a train outside of Rollins. Local law enforcement caught wind of the plan and attempted to stop the robbery, but two law enforcement officials were killed in the ambush. Big Nose George and his gang fled to Miles City, Montana, and were bragging about killing the officers in a local bar. Big Nose George was arrested and returned to Rollins for trial. He was sentenced to hang on April 2nd, 1881, but attempted to escape from his jail cell by filing down the shackles with a rock and hitting the jailer over the head, fracturing his skull. Shit. Luckily, the jailer's wife was quick thinking and grabbed a pistol and forced George back into his cell. Shit, girl. I know. News of the attempted escape began to spread and the group of town, a group of townspeople broke into the jail, held the jailer at gunpoint. And then it says this poor guy had the worst day. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the fucking head and then held up by townspeople. It's <laughs> like, I'm doing my job. Uh, and broke George out of the jail so they could hang him themselves. He sure. was lynched in the street on a telegraph pole with a mob of 200 people. This is uh, the part that sounds a lot like the New Jersey story. After his death, Dr. John Eugene Osborne took possession of George's remains and attempted to do experiments on his brain for clues to his criminality. Mm. The doctor was also assisted by 15-year-old Lillian Heath. (laughs) To commemorate the experience, the doctor had George's skin from his thighs and chest sent to a tannery in Denver and made into a medical bag and a pair of shoes. Then it says, what the fuck? Which is your face is saying as well. (laughs) Horrible. (laughs) It's so insane and recent. It is. Was this a common practice in the 1800s? Question mark, question mark. Lillian decided to keep the skull cap and used it as an ashtray and doorstop throughout her life. George's body was later stored in a whiskey barrel and buried near a medical office, the medical office. Dr. Osborne wore the skin shoes to the inaugural ball after being elected the first Democratic governor of the state of Wyoming. (laughs) The story of Big Nose George was kind of forgotten until construction workers unearthed the barrel with human remains in 1950. 
Dr. Lillian Heath, yep, that teenage girl became Wyoming's first female doctor, then, oh, yeah. uh-huh, then in her 80s was able to identify the remains when the skull cap she had kept all those years fit the remains perfectly. <laughs> this fucking story. The skin shoes are on permanent display at the Carbon County Museum in Rollins, Wyoming. Wikipedia tells me that the shackles and skull cap are on display at the Union Pacific Museum in Omaha, Nebraska, and the medical bag made of his skin has never been found. I'm hoping one day someone writes in about a mysterious bag found at a pawn shop or in their grandmother's attic. Thank you for all you do. Stay sexy and always keep your skull ashtray in case you needed to identify a body. L. Ugh. I think, I don't think it sounds that recent to me. Like that's what the, the 1800s looked like to me is just people fucking experimenting on people, breaking people out of prison to kill them in a mob, yeah. in a happy mob. Then, experimenting on their brain and our body and then keeping yep. a souvenir that's fucking morbid and creepy it's it's very like wild west yeah. where it's like you know what we're all gonna keep to ourselves and then do whatever fucked up thing yeah. we've decided to rationalize it's just so we've all seen inhumane we've all seen back to the future three we know what it was like back then we <laughs> george's favorite film <laughs> Like the whole can the whole canon is my is no, all no, I know no. about history is from Back to the Future. The phrase we've all seen Back to the Future three. <laughs> I I don't I might I might call you on that one. Okay okay here's my first one. Okay. No, th- I'll I'll read you half the title. Okay. Nurse mom stories. Great. Okay. So masked up MFM crew. A few minisodes ago, you asked for nurse mom stories. I meant to write in earlier, but dot 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 quarantine life with a five year old. Mm. Oh, oh my God, God, no. Bless you and bless your soul. Mm-hmm. My mom was a nurse when my sisters and I were growing up. She worked in both the ER and in labor and delivery throughout her career in Denver and in Orange County. Though her accounts from her time spent as an RN range from crazy car baby deliveries mm-hmm. due to massive Denver snowstorms to having to do an emergency C-section solo as an RN what? due to a doctor not answering his pager. Dude! <laughs> and then in parentheses, the 70s were a different time. <laughs> a couple stand out. Like the time an ambulance pulled up with a non-responsive individual, her and the ER team worked 15 minutes to try and revive him with no success. After 15 minutes flatlined, The man sat straight up, pulled the tube out of his mouth, threw it on the floor and laid back down all while still flatlined. To this day, the hairs on the back of my mom's neck stand up when she recounts that story. What? But but did he go on to live or was he still dead? I think he he was still dead. He was, (laughs) but he did a thing that only living people can do. Or can they? That's why they need to keep experimenting on on (laughs) bodies. You're justifying the last letter with the next letter. I'm justifying Back to the Future 3. (laughs) That's right. my love for it. Okay, but the thing about my mom's time as an RN that stands out most to my sisters and I is how she worked in the ER alongside Jeffrey McDonald. No. The the Jeffrey McDonald still in prison for murdering his whole family. Not only did she work with him, they were friends. And here's how I found out that little detail. One night when I was only 10 years old, I was somehow permitted to stay up late watching TV with my parents before bed. That was a mistake. They were watching a made-for-TV movie called Fatal Vision, apparently about Jeffrey McDonald's murdering of his family. I was too scared to move, let alone go to bed. After the movie, my dad looks at me and says, oh, and your mom's friends with him. She says he didn't do it. (laughs) Needless to say, I barely slept for years. And to this day, she says, quote, 
Everyone loved him. He didn't kill his family. Oh, no. Uh-huh. Cheers to all the nurses out there, many in my family included. Be considerate and wear a mask. And don't let your 10-year-old stay up late watching movies about murderers, you know, Lori. <laughs> the scariest thing, I feel like uh, in a kid's mind, it's like my parents know this murderer. That means that they might be in on it and murderers, sure. too. Possibly, although I believe that the Jeffrey McDonald story is the one that Errol Morris went on to write a book and I think make a movie about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the one with the hippies, called, right? I did, uh, I did right. that one. And yeah. Yes, you did. And, and Errol Morris's whole thing is that the whole case was botched and it is, yeah. he is innocent. I just, I wish I couldn't, I wish, I wish I could believe that because the way those poor children were killed is just horrific and the thought is so awful. It's really awful, but I think there was there. It's interesting. I, it's an interesting thing because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still that. having to figure it oh out. Oh my god! Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, we, I did that case years ago, and I still know the details of it. It's just so horrible. Yeah, so it's I, bad. I, yeah, it's too, very bad. Okay, this one's called "My Dad's Friend, the Serial Killer." Oh, greed! I probably shouldn't have told you that. Uh, That's, we're we're in a theme now. Yeah, it's good you told us. <laughs> yeah, we're ready. Greetings, fellow Jew and Gentiles too. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Oh, mazel. (laughs) Mazel tov. Well, talking to my dad on the phone one Sunday night, he casually mentioned that he was once friends with a serial killer. Oh, it's in the first line. It doesn't matter. Naturally, I said, tell me everything. In the early 80s, my dad was living in a small apartment above a food co-op in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, where he also volunteered regularly. He became friends with a man named Alvin, who stopped into the co-op from time to time while my dad was volunteering. My dad also worked a second shift at a local hospital, and Alvin sang late nights at a restaurant in downtown Eau Claire. On his way home from the restaurant, Alvin would check to see if the lights in my dad's apartment were on and would stop by to hang out, I guess until my dad decided it was time to go to sleep. One day, Alvin told my dad that he was leaving Eau Claire and moving to a, to a rural town about 15 miles away. My dad thought this was a little strange, but didn't think much of it. A short time after Alvin moved away, my dad learned that he had been arrested for murder. It turns out that Alvin murdered four men in Wisconsin and Minnesota between 1985 and 1988. One of the victims, a 33-year-old man from Minnesota named Daniel Lundgren, was killed in what police believed to be a car accident in 1986. However, when Alvin later admitted to killing the other victims, he told police that he had also shot and killed Lundgren, who was his roommate at the time. Lundgren's body was exhumed and the medical examiner confirmed that there were three bullet holes in his head. Police at the time said that Alvin likely shot Lundgren in the car and that Lundgren drove a short distance before crashing. It's not clear how the three bullet holes were completely missed the first time around. I guess if you get in a car accident, they're not going to like search your scalp for bullet holes, right? Right, exactly. This is kind of reminding me of the beginning of Fargo, too. Oh, where yeah. It's like it's that you'd have to really if you're assuming it's a car accident, it's a car accident. Totally. And that's what everyone's doing, I bet. Yes. 100%. Why look into it? Don't look into it. Yeah, you've got better things to do. Alvin was arrested at the funeral of his last victim, 27-year-old Timothy Hayden. He was found not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect in all four killings and has been confined to a mental mental institution in Madison, Wisconsin ever since. We've been there. Oh, Uh, yeah. We love Madison. It's very charming. What? I'll ask my question after. Okay. Stay sexy and never trust a person oh. who suddenly decides to move to a shack in the middle of nowhere. Ariella. Ariella. Mm-hmm. Great job, Ariella. Yeah. Uh, ooh. Okay. Here's my question. Okay. How does he get off uh, reason of insanity when he is the foresight 
to go and be at the funeral of a victim and to fake the death as a car accident. That's yeah. planning. That's which takes some what forethought. Else don't we know? I want to know. Yeah. This whole story. Yeah. Um, because obviously there's some bad stuff going on. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, and also just it's like that's like something from a movie where they're always like, oh, they come back and they go to the funeral. So take pictures. Yeah. Of he actually did it. Oh, but I wonder why I didn't kill her dad, because it sounds like he was like a young man living alone as like the other victims were as well. Just right. got fucking lucky. He. Yeah. Crazy. All right. Okay. The subject line of this is scientist who worked the grim sleeper case. Ooh. Um, and then, so the opening is this parentheses, insert awkward and anxious filled opening here. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you fucking nailed it. <laughs> Dead on. Uh, welcome. Mm-hmm. I'm about a month behind since there's only so much death and chaos a girl can take during 2020. I mean, I for mean, real. Are you sure about that? You ask uh, ask <laughs> us pause, at the end of the year. Let's pause and thank everyone for hanging in there with us yeah. while the world melts. Thanks, guys. Okay. I just listened to episode 230 about the Grim Sleeper. Look, listen, I am a scientist that specializes in DNA and serology as they relate to forensic science. Hot for holes all day, every day. Yeah. <laughs> in parentheses. <it>. Amazing. <laughs> Uh, all day every day as well as clinical diagnostics i've also recently founded and built my own laboratory called lander labs because i saw a need in my community and decided to fill it dude a few years ago i was working in another forensic laboratory when a new case came across my lab bench a presumed homicide linked to the grim sleeper at this point lonnie franklin jr had been arrested but had not yet begun trial i had very little information to go off of before i began my analysis usually a victim's name was written on the evidence packaging but not this time all i was told was that she was a sex worker there was nothing else to give this woman humanity mm. no report came with the evidentiary item the date written on the evidence package was from the mid 80s and the package had never been opened i was born in 1989 and baffled by the fact that I was working on a homicide that was forgotten about before I was even born. <sighs> this woman who deserved a name had to wait until I grew up, went to college, became certified and randomly picked a box in an evidence room before her case was even opened. <sighs> I'll never forget it. The item was a pair of blood spattered purple jeans. It was my job to figure out where her killer would have left his DNA on this item of evidence. I had to think like he did. I used an alternate light source to see if there were any bodily fluids on the jeans. Nothing. So I assumed I would only find touch DNA, which doesn't stay valid for long. But I tried my best. I swabbed the button and zipper. I swabbed the top of the jeans. I swabbed the side belt loops. I swabbed the bottom cuffs. All these areas I chose because I figured those would be spots he grabbed when he was trying to remove her clothing guess what we were able to get a full dna profile from those swabs the dna was consistent with lonnie franklin jr aka the grim sleeper in 2016 he was convicted of killing 10 women since i don't know her name i hope my lady in purple was one of those victims but i don't know maybe she wasn't and is still among those stacks of photos he had of unidentified victims either way i remember her i saw a part of her most intimate moment evidence of her death that based on the evidence packaging only one other person had witnessed let's remember her together from a raging stemist stay safe Stay sexy. Don't get murdered. Annie. Wow. Fucking A, Annie. Oh my Good job. God, I have chills. Well done. Wow. 
What a beautiful thing to think that there are people working in like forensic criminal justice that are caring that much about the people and the cases that they're working on. That's Definitely. the goal is that everybody in law enforcement eventually gets the training and uh, the vetting that is needed so that people like this are the people that are working in law enforcement. Hey Amen. That's that's the dream. That's that's amazing. That's amazing. Thank you, Annie. Thank you. Great job. Great job. Great fucking work you're doing. We are yeah. proud to have you as a listener. Yeah. Uh, for, for real. And, and now I know why you can't listen all the time. <laughs> <laughs> for real. Fair enough. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye if you're like me you're always looking for a story to dive into whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve the key to getting hooked is the details i need rich visuals and intricate storylines and june's journey has that and more june's journey is a mobile mystery game that follows june parker a daring young woman on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder this is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as june herself Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's 
it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. My last one uh, is that time I saved my friend from being abducted. Hello, Elvis and co. (laughs) This story begins about six years ago when I was 18 years old and my only hobby was being drunk at clubs. Uh I was out clubbing with some uh, work friends, several espresso martinis in and heading to the dance floor. (laughs) Espresso martinis. Disgusting. Vodka and coffee. Uh, What is wrong with you? Coffee liqueur. So you're just like vomiting at coffee. Couple beans down in the bottom. Yeah. Just make yourself perfectly nauseous for later. God. It's like when you and when you finally get home, you can't fall asleep because. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're so you've got the spin extra bad. That's right. Um, When we realized we had lost one of our group, we'll call her Sarah. After 15 minutes of searching, I finally found her back at the bar looking very lost and confused. Sarah kept saying, you left me. Where did you go? Assuming she had just had too much to drink, we decided we should leave and make sure she gets home okay. Once we got out to the front of the club, however, we turned around and she was gone again. Taken aback, I went back in to find her and found her standing alone near the dance floor, once again looking confused and saying, where did you go? At this point, I realized something was wrong and that maybe her drink had been spiked. Making sure to keep hold of her hand, we walked back out towards the main strip where we could get a taxi home. Um, whilst walking, however, I ran into some other mates, at which point my dumb drunk self let go of Sarah to hug them and say hello. After a brief chat, my friend points further down the road and says, where's Sarah going? To my horror, I turn around to see my friend being led down the road by two men who had grabbed Mm-mm. hold of her hands. Mm-mm. Sarah was looking back at me, super confused, but seemed unable to pull away from them. I ran after them, managing to catch up and snatch Sarah back from their grasp. The two men turned around and began laughing and telling me they were simply joking around. Now, at 18 years old, I was extremely shy and deeply afraid of confrontation. I still am. But in that moment, and probably thanks to all the espresso martinis, I, <laughs> I channeled my impressive, I channeled an impressive amount of fuck you energy and just let loose. I pushed yes. one of them in the chest and began waving my finger in their faces. The other hand now firmly grasping onto Sarah's hand and yelled, fuck you, you fucking rapists. Yes. At this point, they stopped laughing and swiftly turned around to walk away. <laughs> That's right. Good. They did. <laughs> I continued to shout some more fuck yous and assholes as they left and then finally went and hopped into a taxi to take Sarah home. The next day, Sarah couldn't remember anything, confirming my fear that her drink had been spiked. Yeah, I was sure. so relieved that we had managed to get her home safely because who knows what could have happened. SSDGM and never underestimate the value of a of fuck you energy. Emma from Brisbane, Australia. Good job, Emma. Emma, that's how you this keep track of your think, friends. It's well, and also it's a good idea to have a friend if there's one person for some reason that isn't drinking or isn't going to get shit faced. Yeah, because there needs to be somebody with big the big picture. Yes, like that was heart like. 
I felt like I was going to have a heart attack the whole time because it's like drunk girls trying to help drunk girls is please, please get someone that's in the mix there that like would see that immediately. Keeps an eye. Yeah. Yeah. Easy for me to say, but yeah. Of course. It's so scary. Watch your drinks. It's me, Coffee Martini. You start using that as your as your bar name. How about espresso or espresso martini? Just saying the word espresso <laughs> like an eighteen year old would. Espresso, espresso martini. martini, please send us your Wait. story. What? So sorry. What were you gonna say? Send us your espresso martini stories. <laughs> no, but let's. Ha- I want them. <laughs> send- tell us the most disgusting martini you've ever had. Yes. Well, I mean, yeah. T- Tell us your stories of how bad you got the spins and then barfed on an espresso martini. Do you think an espresso martini has just the flavor of coffee beans in it and maybe a visual bean or two? Or do you think it has espresso in it? I would guess it's espresso liqueur, liqueur, liqueur. Mm. I used to be a mixologist. I should know this. <laughs> Is this true? Yeah. When you, when you had your little twisty mustache? No, but you know, I had all those cooking channel shows about c- making cocktails. You don't know. Yeah, but you, you don't know who I am. Perf- Have we met? You didn't make them professionally no. behind a bar every night. No, I never worked at a bar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm sorry. I don't mean to take away the label of mixologist. I know that you combined something and and chicken nuggets. So I'm not taking anything away. <laughs> I from wish you, you wouldn't. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to sit you down and make you watch fucking Back to the Future 3 with me. <laughs> Is that from this episode? And I'm going to make you make me an espresso martini. (laughs) See how far we get. Okay. Are you ready for this last one? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. It's the subject line is nursing home confessions. Howdy. I am from a sleepy town in southern Indiana, and I work as a nursing assistant in a nursing home. Thank you. That's God's work right there. Mm -hmm. Earlier this week, one of my residents confessed to me that she killed her husband in the 50s. (laughs) I will call her Glenda in this story. Wow. Yep. It started when I came into her room with her favorite nightgown to get her ready for bed. Glenda said, absence makes the heart grow fonder, referring to the nightgown. You know how old ladies love sleepwear. (laughs) (laughs) I'm an old lady then. (laughs) Uh, Then she said, you know who else is absent? My husband. I responded with, oh, did he pass away a while ago? Assuming she was a widow like so many of my residents. She said, yes, he's dead and I killed him and got away with it. And then I picked my jaw up off the floor and got the rest of the story. Glenda married her husband when she was 15. Oy. And he was, yeah, and she he was 30. Oh, no. Uh-huh. Parentheses, yeah, not chill. Her husband was an abusive alcoholic police officer that started beating her immediately after they got married. She stayed in the marriage because she had two little kids and it was the 50s, so she couldn't really provide for them on her own and she couldn't call the cops because he was a cop. Dude. Then one day... Her husband got suddenly sick with flu-like sickness. She stayed by his side as a dutiful wife, caring for him as he belittled her. She said all of a sudden she realized how sick she was of him beating on her in front of her babies. So when he fell asleep, she covered his face with a pillow and held on for dear life until he stopped moving. In her own words, I just held it there as hard as I could until he stopped squirming and then held it there a little longer to be sure. Oh, oh my God. I'd just be like, Linda, I'm going to step out of the room for a second and then run up the middle of the street. <laughs> Why don't you put your nightgown on while I'm Fuck. screaming? And then she turned She turned to the nurse and there's a little bit of blood in the corner of her mouth. <laughs> I held her hand as she told the story and I asked her if she ever regretted what she did and she gave me the most heartbreaking response. 
I feel bad sometimes, but then I remember how bad it hurt when he hit me and how much it scared my babies. She said she called the cops in the morning and nervously waited while the coroner declared that he probably died from, quote, a heart attack or something. No one ever suspected foul play from tiny little Glenda because apparently murdering husbands was something else they didn't think women could do in the 50s. I asked Glenda if she ever told anyone about this, and she thought for a second and said, nope, I think you're the first one. I could see the pain in her eyes as she told the story, and it's clear to me that she knew this was the only way to keep herself and her baby safe from such an awful man. I don't know why I inspired her to come clean. My best guess is that she this has been weighing on her for a long time, and since she's now in her late 80s, she had to get it off her chest. I let her know that her secret was safe with me other than to email my murder friends where I would change her name. <laughs> Glenda then became successful. Her kids became successful also yeah. and, and became successful. Today, Glenda frequently asks me for kisses and loves when I paint her nails. Aww. Stay sexy. Don't get murdered. Wear a mask. And if you have loved ones in a nursing home, don't forget about them because they still love you. Also, be kind and patient with health care workers, because although our country is acting like this pandemic is over, we are still being greatly affected. Sarah. Wow. Shit, Sarah. Shit. Wow. Big. Thanks for sending that to us. Yeah. And entrusting us with that story. Incredible story of bravery. I mean, how, many, and- how many times has this happened? It's oh. how many times has this been like this secret you know, totally. the unspoken thing. I was thinking that there was a possibility that when they came, when the coroner came, they knew what a prick he was. Yeah. And they, they were just like, yeah, part attack. See you yeah. later. Wow. You know, that's happened before. Definitely. Oh my God. That's wow. heavy. Right. Well, okay. I'm glad, I'm glad their lives turned out good. I am too. That was amazing. Please tell us your stories, whatever you want them to be. Don't make them up. Tell it to us though. And we'll even we'll we'll copy edit further if you get sloppy. Yeah, <laughs> you just tell people all the details. Uh, my favorite murder at Gmail or go to our website and fucking tell us your hometown stories. Tell us everything and stay sexy and don't get murdered. Goodbye, Goodbye. Elvis. Do you want a cookie? <laughs>